Well, we're going to pick it up today in Jonah chapter 2. Again, last week we began our study through the book of Jonah and we called it the running man. And the reason that we called it the running man is because we all have something in common with Jonah. Whether you're a believer here today or a non-believer, we all have something in common with Jonah. And it's simply this. We have all at some point in our life run from God. Would that be an accurate statement? Every one of us at some point in our life have, have run from God. And last week, as we came to the end of the service, we asked people to come to the place where they would say, I'm through running. And last week, 46 people told us that they were through running from God. So it was a great week last week. You can applaud for that. It was a great week last week. Now, if you missed last week, you want to make sure you stop by the CD library and just pick up the CD today after the service and and, uh, hear hear what took place last week. This week, we're going to pick up where we left off. We left off at the end of chapter 1. So I'm going to come to the last verse of chapter 1. That'll be verse 17. Chapter 1, verse 17. And uh, you you all know the story of Jonah, and we'll certainly recap it. But um, verse 17, it says... And the Lord appointed, now underline the Lord appointed a great fish, uh, just to let you know it was a fish and not a whale, a fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish, now you want to underline, three days and three nights. Jonah's story is our story. Jonah finds himself swallowed by a fish. I think that we would call this an impossible situation. Would you agree with that? Jonah's running from God, and so God allows him to be swallowed by an impossible situation, very much like what happens to all of us when we run from God. And we'll certainly see how that that pans out today. So the story continues. Now, you you have to know something before we go to chapter 2, verse 1. When the Bible was written, it was not written with chapters and verses. It was just written. It was about a thousand years after the New Testament was compiled that somebody said, you know, it's very hard to find what we're looking for, so why don't we do this? Let's go through the Bible and divide it with chapters and verses so that I could say, turn to Jonah chapter 2, and you would all know to turn to just the right place as opposed to me beginning to read, and we're all kind of fishing through. So chapters and verses were added over a thousand years after the Bible was completed, so it wasn't written in the original with verse 1, chapter 1, or anything like that. With me so far? Now, the reason that's so important today for our study is that the story just continues. In, in the writing, Jonah's just writing, it's just the next line. There, it doesn't say chapter 2 in the, original, in the original writing. Now, why is that so important? Well, um, chapter 117, let me read it again. It says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish, and I had you underline, three days and three nights. Then it just goes on, and it says, then. Now I want you to, how many of your Bibles say then? Okay, you want to underline the word then. If you have the New American Standard or you have the King James, the New King James, it's going to say then because that's what the word really is in the original language in the Hebrew. Um, And uh, see how that pans out for us. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. And he said, verse 2, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol, and you heard my voice. Now, for most of us, the first word of chapter 2 is going to be then. Some of you have what's called the New International Version, and it's going to simply say from the inside or from inside the fish. Is that what it says? But here's the idea. In the original language, and the reason that most 
most Bibles will translate it as the word then is it indicates something that's taking place. And, and what's taking place is simply this. Jonah is in the fish for three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed. That's what's taking place. And that, that's the part I want to I highlight today. Because it's interesting to me that, that Jonah takes three days being swallowed in the fish before he actually gets around to praying to God. And you remember this story. We looked at it last week. God comes to Jonah. Jonah's a believer. He's a prophet. And God says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Jonah looks at God and he says, No. And at that point, we notice that Jonah stops praying. So what does he do? He runs down to this little town called Joppa, and uh, he hops on a boat, he pays the fare, gets on a boat, and he's sleeping in the bottom of the boat, and as the storm comes upon the boat, everybody, it tells us, is praying to his God, but there's one person who's not praying, and that would be Jonah. Well, not only that, they come to him, they wake him up, and they say, pray to your God, and it's not recorded that he ever praise. Well, then they cast lots. They roll the dice to see who it is whose sin has brought this upon the ship. Now, at that point, as the dice rolls, and it's obviously that it's Jonah's sin, I would be praying to my God at this point, but it's not recorded that Jonah prays at this point. So they say, what's the solution? And Jonah says, well, if you want to fix this, you simply need to throw me overboard. Now, they throw Jonah overboard. And this is the part that gets me. So there's Jonah. We're going to find today as we read through this that as Jonah goes into the ocean, he just starts going down, down, down. How many of you are divers here today? Excellent. Now, as a diver, wouldn't you agree that there are times when we are down there diving? I, I'm, I'm a diver. I believe in, in lobster diving. I believe it's very important that we do our part. If we do not... <laughs> If we do not, they will simply take over the ocean, and we can't have that. So, so you need to do your part. So, but there are times when I will be down diving. You know, you get down 60, 80 feet, something like that, and it's a little bit darker down there, and you see something out of the corner of your eye, and just something happens in your heart, and you're like, what's that? You ever had that experience? And, and you're like, oh, what in the world is that? Now, here's Jonah. Jonah is going down, down, down. At some point, he looks. And from out of whatever it is that he's seeing down there, he sees the largest fish he has ever seen in his life. And that fish is coming at him. That fish, as it comes at him, begins to open its mouth. Now, at that point, if it were me, I would be like, Jesus, you know, but Jonah's not. Something's going on in Jonah's heart, and he's not ready yet to turn back to God. It's not bad enough for him. And so he's swallowed by the fish. He doesn't pray. He's inside the fish for three days and three nights, and finally it gets so bad, it says, then Jonah prayed. So the question is, why does Jonah wait so long? Why is it that when we run from God, we wait so long to turn back to him? Well, I'm going to suggest it could be one of two things. You might want to write this down. First of all, it could be there in your outline that we think we've gone too far, just gone too far. You know, God, you could never forgive me of what I've done. You, you, I've destroyed the plan that you have for me. You're done with me. And, and you know, we just think that we've gone too far. 
Well, if you think that way, just know that here's what the Bible says there in your outline from Psalm 86. It says, but you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth. And here's what it's saying, that no matter how far we go from God, at the point that we turn to him, he's always ready to meet us with forgiveness and his grace when we turn to him. Now, Jonah's a believer. Jonah's a prophet. He knows a lot about God. So I don't think that's what's going on in Jonah's heart. I don't think Jonah thinks that he's gone too far. You know what I think it is for Jonah? It's not even a pithy point. It's just, just what I think it is. And um, well, here, here's what I think. I, I think that Jonah's just not ready. And that's the point. We're just not ready. Go ahead and write that down. Not all that pithy, is it? But wouldn't you agree that it's true? That we're just, we're just not ready to turn back to God. And isn't it interesting how out of control, how, how dysfunctional our lives have to become before we're ready to turn back to God? And have you ever noticed that when somebody begins to run from their relationship with God, that the decisions that they make, I mean, it's a bad decision running from him in the first place, but their decisions just get progressively worse as they go. Would you agree with that? And, and Jonah just doesn't want to do what God said that he wanted to do. And Jonah's mad at God, and he's angry, and he's bitter, and he's, he's just not ready. He's just not ready to turn back. And we see that. We see that in the church all the time. Somebody will come, you know, we, we, we um, run into people, we know people, we see their lives, we've been doing this a long time. And you see somebody that you know is running from God, and their lives are just unraveling. It's just coming apart. And you'll sit down with them, and they'll be talking about how it's just all falling apart, and we'll say something like, well... How's your relationship with the Lord? To which typically, when somebody's running from God, they'll simply say something like this. They'll say, well, you know, this really has nothing to do with my relationship with God. Once I get this job, once I close this deal, once she says yes, everything's going to be fine, but my relationship with God is kind of a separate matter. That's not really involved in this. To which we look on and we say, it has everything to do with your current situation. You see, there are times when when we run from God and God just allows it to unravel and we see it. So what is Jonah's situation? Well, I I entitled this little part, okay, just for fun, Jonah's current situation because here's what I see. I see that Jonah's situation is a picture of many times our situation when we begin to run from God and it begins to all fall apart. And I'm sharing this as a guy who at a time in his life ran from God. I know I'm probably alone in this, but, but, uh, but I did. And so this is just what I see as we look at Jonah's situation, what I see in the lives of all of us who run from God as our lives begin to unravel. So the first thing that I notice, and you want to write this down, as I look at his life, and it's a picture of his life, and certainly a picture of our life, I would say that Jonah finds himself in a situation where he can't get himself out. Jonah can't get himself out. Jonah's in a situation that he can't negotiate his way out, he can't buy his way out, he can't call a friend to call in a favor to get him out. There is nothing that Jonah can do to get Jonah out. There are times when we run from God that God allows us to get into a situation where only God can get us out. Now you're looking at me like I have lobsters crawling out of my ears. Is this something that anybody here has ever experienced? 
a situation that only God can get us out. Yes, I see that hand in the back. Is there another? Yes, one more. Absolutely, every one of us. But then, so he can't get himself out ordained by the Lord. God puts us in a situation where only God can get us out. I would say that his situation is, well, number two, uncomfortable. Jonah is in the fish. He's been swallowed by a fish. This is not an Arctic fish. This is somewhere in the Middle East. And so um, as Jonah would be in this fish, food would be digesting all around him. He's probably sitting in, this is a fairly large fish, so he's probably sitting in at least a foot, foot and a half of of digesting fish. It's decomposing. What? And, And we're told... We're told that the stomach of a fish, when it's digesting food, is somewhere between 104 and 106 degrees. So there he is sitting in rotting fish, and it's hot. It's uncomfortable. Would you say that's uncomfortable? Well, not only that, as we look at his situation, I think this is all put there by the Lord just so that we could look at these, these types of situations. As I look at Jonah's current situation, I would say, number three, I think it stinks. Here's why. Jonah is sitting in the stomach of this fish. It's the food around, the the fish around him is decomposing. It's hot, 104 to 106 degrees, and there's no breeze. Have you ever been around decomposing fish when it's hot and there's no breeze? It stinks? Absolutely. Well, not only that, number four, as we look at his situation, we look at his situation and say, it's dark. It's dark. You see, Jonah just can't see his way out of this situation. And what's also interesting is Jonah's in an environment right now where he's sitting there and it's so dark, it's pitch black, but you really don't want to put your hand out to find out what's going on around you. You know, something moved. You know, it's just, what, it's gross. It's dark. So it's, can't get himself out. It's hot. It stinks. It's dark. But it's there, number five, that Jonah remembers It's in that situation that Jonah can't get himself out. It's uncomfortable. It stinks. It's dark that Jonah remembers. Look at verse 7 of chapter 2. He says, while I was fainting away, and then underline, I remembered the Lord. I love that. He's starting to think, you know, it really wasn't so bad following God after all. So he remembers. So the question is, well, how bad is it? How bad is it, Jonah? Well, verse 2 Jonah describes it like this. Jonah says, he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord and he answered me, I cried for help from the depth of, what's that word? Sheol. Now what is Sheol? Sheol is just simply the Old Testament word for hell. That's all it is. Jonah is describing his current situation as being what he would describe as hell on earth. Anybody ever been through that? Absolutely. Now, why, why is this so important? And why is it so bad? Typically, and this is the sad part about you and I and just about everybody, most people aren't ready to turn back to God until it gets really bad. How bad? Well, God described how he had to, at times, deal with his people because it had to get so bad. Notice there in your outline. I'll make a few comments as we go through. From Zechariah, it says this. It says, I will bring the third part through the fire. Then he talks about the process. Underline this, he says, refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. That will be the process. What will will the result be? Well, the result is they will call on my name and I will answer them. 
And I will say, they are my people. And then underline this, they will say, the Lord is my God. The Lord is my God. Here's what God says as he looks at his people. He says, sometimes it has to get like this. God looks looks at us and he says, you're like silver, you're like gold. But when silver is mined, silver comes out of the mine with a great deal of impurity. And so you can look at the silver and you can say, silver, give up the dross. Doesn't happen. So you can begin to heat up the silver and say, give up the dross, and it still doesn't happen. It's not until the silver is heated up to the point where it literally turns from a solid to a liquid, it begins to boil. It's incredibly hot at that point, unbearably hot, that the silver literally takes the impurities, the dross, and just shoves it to the top and just says, take it. And it's at that point where the silversmith just reaches in this little cup and just pulls the impurities off the top and then he turns down the heat. And God says, you know, when I look at my people, it doesn't have to be this way, but many times that's what it takes to make the changes that need to be made. So how bad does it have to get? Each and every one of us has to answer that question for ourselves. But you know what's so embarrassing probably what I think is even more painful. This is the worst part, I think, for Jonah, for you, and for I in those times that we run from God. You want to write this down. Jonah's a believer. This isn't somebody who doesn't know God. This isn't somebody who doesn't know the ways of God, who doesn't understand that that God is very intimately acquainted with all of our ways. Jonah's a believer, and the truth is, because he's a believer, he's got to come back. God's going to do whatever it is he has to do to bring Jonah back. Now, finally, after it gets really bad, three days in the fish, finally Jonah turns back to God. And in his turning back from God, we're going to look at just five lessons that we learn from Jonah. And we're going to call these lessons from the inside. Just lessons that we learn from just looking at his life. First of all, number one, and you want to write this down, we learn from this story that God listens to the prayer of the runner. God listens to the prayer of the runner. Notice verse one. Chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Then Jonah, underline this, prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. And he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord. And he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. You heard my voice. God hears the voice or the prayer of the runner. Now, at this point, The part that hits me is that Jonah's completely out of God's will at this point. And so Jonah doesn't have a lot of leverage with God. It's not like he can go to God and say, God, I want you to know that um, I've been living right and um, I'm just asking you to do this because I want you to bless me. The truth is Jonah's done some things that have nearly destroyed the lives of the people around him. You recall from last week, Jonah gets on the boat. He's running from God. The storm comes upon the boat because Jonah's running from God. The men, the sailors who are on the boat, they begin to lose all of their cargo so that when they get to their destination, they've lost all their income. Now that they've got there, they've almost lost their lives. They've lost all of their income and they're probably in debt now because of the, in, because of the cargo that they've lost. So, so Jonah has created a mess in people's lives with the decisions that he's made. So he doesn't have a lot of leverage with God. So he can't really come to God and say, God, from now on, I'm going to follow you because Jonah doesn't really have a guarantee right now that there is a from now on 
He's been stuck in this fish for three days. That makes sense? And isn't that how we see it? You know, from time to time, what takes place is, as a pastor, um, a couple of uh, situations throughout the years where a couple will come to me and they'll say, Pastor, will you marry us? We, we want to get married and uh, will you marry us? And most cases, I will m- perform this ceremony. I realize that people come together. There's always something that they have to work on. So if there's a little bit of baggage, whatever, we, we all get married and we have to work out stuff. Do you agree? A lot of silent bobbing heads. Now... <laughs> But, but there have been some situations through the years where people have come to me and they say, Pastor, will you marry us? And I look at them and I go, you guys are a disaster. You, it's, it's, there's no way I'm going to stand before, in front of God and join you two together. I mean, I know we all have stuff to work out, but you guys are like two hurricanes about to collide. It's going to be death and doom and destruction. You need to run from one another. Do they take my advice? No, they never do. Never, never, never. So, so what happens? They go find somebody else to marry them. And then a few months later, when everything I said comes true, <laughs> who do you think they call? Well, they call me. And I'm listening as I hear the story, and there's something inside of me that just wants to say, well, I told you so. But I don't, because I'm the pastor. <laughs> they teach you this in pastor training somewhere, that you don't say, I told you so. You say, well, well, tell me about it. Really? Now, here, here's the thing. When you and I, the good news is that God's not like me. His goal isn't to say, I told you so. As a matter of fact, here's what we find about God. When you and I run off and we make disastrous decisions as we run from him, and although everyone around us could see where we were heading and they're saying, don't, 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 and we still do, and then we're facing the consequences of all of that. As I look at this story, here's what I learned. That even in that time, God hears the prayer of the runner. At the point that you and I turn back to him, he hears the prayer of the runner. Make sense so far? Then the next thing I notice in this whole story is that God is in the circumstances that stop the runner. God is in the circumstances that stop the runner. Verse 3, with your pen in hand, underline the first line, it says, for you, Jonah speaking to God, had cast me into the deep. Now, I like the NIV version on this a little bit better. The uh, New International Version, I think, just gives it a little bit more flavor. And Jonah prays, and he says, you hurled me into the deep. A little more flavor there. He says, you hurled me into the deep. Now, you and I might look on and we'd say, no, no wait a minute. We, read, we were here last week. We saw this story. Last week, it was clear that the sailors threw Jonah into the sea. Well, here, here's what happens. When you and I come back to the Lord and we look back at all the things that we've been through, all of those circumstances, we realize, and as Jonah's writing this, he realizes that God was in all of the circumstances. Flip back to chapter 1, verse 4, very quickly. After the fact, as Jonah writes the story, verse 4, it says, in my Bible it says, the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea. The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea. And then you notice also it says um, in verse 17, it says the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow. Jonah just realizes, God, you were in that storm. You were in that fish. You did all of that. And you did it all and you cast me into the sea. It was all you. You were in all of that. 
Now, why is that so important? That all happened, and you'll recall from last week, it wasn't to pay Jonah back. It was simply to bring Jonah back. The truth is, God allows you and I to get into circumstances that we have no control over when we run from God, that disastrous relationship, the finances, the debt, and all of those things that come with it. Not to pay us back, but to bring us back. And here's what happens. When you and I look back on those circumstances, we look back and we say, that's exactly what it took to bring me back. Because until it got that bad, I just wasn't coming back. Would you agree with that? You know, when you think about it, isn't that what you'd expect from a loving father? I mean, for those of us who are believers, and at some point we ran from God, did we think that God was just going to let us go? Here's what I've learned. You know, in my house we have a truckload of kids. And um, we have this van, and, and I know with my kids that there, there are some I can say, okay, get out of the van, stand over here next to Daddy. Now, there are some that when they get out, their legs are already going. They're like this. And I know I have to physically grab them, and I have to strap them in. Because if I don't strap them in, I, I know that they're going to run. But, but here, here's the thing. When they do get loose, and they do run, and we're in a parking lot, do they think I'm just going to let them go? I mean, wouldn't you agree I'm going to do whatever it is that I have to do to bring them back? So here's what God does. God comes to Jonah with what I'm going to call a very gentle voice. And he says, Jonah, here's my plan for you. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah says no. So all God begins to do is simply to turn up the volume and speak to Jonah in another way, in a way that's just a little bit more louder. See, in my family, I, I'm, your kids probably don't do this, but my kids do. Sometimes I'll be in the kitchen and I yell down the hall and I'll say, all right, guys, here's what we're doing. We're cleaning the rooms. Everybody clean the rooms, quit playing around. We're cleaning the rooms. Get the rooms done. And sometimes, and this never happens at your house, but sometimes they don't do what I tell them to do. And when they don't, sometimes we turn up the volume a little bit, don't we? And sometimes um, they still don't. And so I have to get what you might call um, physically involved in the process. And, and here's the thing. When, when I go down the hall and get physically involved in the process, do I love them less? I, I love them. They're my kids. But Daddy said we're cleaning the room. And you know what? We're going to clean that room. And we can either do it this way happily or we can do it painfully. But at the end, we're cleaning the room. Isn't that how it works out? And do we think that God is any less a parent for his own? So we we see that. God listens to the prayer of the runner. He's involved in the circumstances that bring us back. And then number three, we find that God's discipline is thorough. God's discipline is thorough. For those of us who've been through a time or a season where we would say we've experienced the discipline of the Lord, would we agree that his discipline is usually not gentle? It's not gentle, and that's why the Bible says to not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Now, why is that? Well, 
when God disciplines us as he disciplines Jonah, and we see what Jonah goes through, at the end of it, when we look back at what we went through, we say, I never want to go through that again. Notice what happened in verse 4. He says, so I said, I've been expelled from your sight. Jonah thought he'd gone too far. Nevertheless, I will look again towards your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. It was just sucked under. Weeds were wrapped around my head, kind of a Middle Eastern seaweed turban type thing. Verse 6, I descended to the roots of the mountain. The idea is that Jonah could feel when the fish was going down and when the fish was coming up. He says, the earth with its bars was around me forever, but you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God, while I was fainting away. I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Here's what we find. God takes Jonah through it. God's discipline is thorough. When you look at the Old Testament, you look at when God disciplines his people, it's always thorough. God comes to the nation of Israel and he removes them from slavery in Egypt. He's bringing them to the promised land, but they grumble against God, they complain, they sin, they worship idols, and God warns them and warns them, and finally he says, now it's going to be discipline. And discipline for them meant 40 years of wandering. God comes to the nation of Israel. They're in the promised land. It's a few hundred years later. And he says, you guys are starting to worship idols. You're starting to get involved in in some things you shouldn't. You need to repent. You need to come back. But they keep going. And God says, you know what? Now it's going to be exile. It's going to be captivity. And it's going to be 70 years. His discipline is very thorough. We look on and we say, God, isn't that a little overkill for what you're doing? To which God says, but you're mine. And I'll do whatever it takes to bring you back. And we look back and we say, but you know what? That's, that's what it took to bring me back. Because until that happened, I wasn't coming back. And we look back and we say, I never want to go through that again. Okay, am I the only one? We've been through this? Absolutely. And so God lets us feel the pain of our running so that when he brings us through and we experience that discipline, we look on and we say, I never want to go back and go through that. So God's discipline is thorough. By the way, um, God says it doesn't have to be that way. He says, as a matter of fact, I'd like to bless you another way and have my will accomplished. Now, how many of you here would want to be blessed by God? Good. Yes, I see that hand in the back. Is there another? Excellent. Now, here is the method. Here's what he says. If you want to be blessed and you don't want to go through all of that, he says, you can do it this way. He says, blessed is the man you discipline, O Lord, the man you teach from your law. God says, I'd rather that you get it by listening to what I say and there's blessing in that. But, but if, if you don't listen to what I say, I'll, I'll have to step in and we'll accomplish the same thing. Did Jonah know what God said? The word of the Lord came to Jonah saying, rise, go to Nineveh. He knew what God said. Jonah said, no. Ultimately, as Jonah looks back on that situation, 
He says, you know, I, I wish I wouldn't have run. So God, we realize that he hears the prayer of the runner. He's in the circumstances. His discipline is thorough so that when we look back, we say, I never want to go through that again. And when we return, we discover, and you want to write this down, number four, that we ran from what we were really seeking. We ran from what we were really seeking. Verse eight, it says, those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to you. Now underline sacrifice to you. With the voice of thanksgiving, underline thanksgiving, that which I have vowed I will pay, salvation, underline that, is from the Lord. You get the sense that when Jonah turns, he's glad to be back. And he says, I'm, I'm going to be giving you thanksgiving. I'm glad to be back. Now, it's, not on, it's on your outline. Um, from the NIV, I put verse 8. I like how it translates it a little bit better. It says, those who cling to worthless idols, it says, and you want to underline, forfeit the grace that could be theirs. When we run from God, the Bible says that we forfeit the grace that could be ours. What do we forfeit? Well, we forfeit his protection. We forfeit his provision. We forfeit the relationship as we run from him. Here's what we find. We run because we're going to, we think at some point we're going to miss out on something. But as we run and we forfeit the grace that could be ours, we forfeit the provision, the protection, what we find is whatever it is that we're running to, whatever it is that we were looking for, it's just not there. And God uses that to bring us back. Does that make sense? And here's how you know. You know because you've never heard anybody ever say, I wish I would have waited just five more years before I came back to the Lord. Five more years, just Five more years. I wish I would have waited before I gave my life to Christ or or before I came back to the Lord. Have you ever heard anybody say that? And you never will. And you want to know why? Because ultimately, everything that we were searching for out there can only be fulfilled or fulfillment can only be experienced in a relationship with him. It, It wasn't out there. Then number five, we find that when we come back, that he's the God of the second chance. Notice verse 10, it says, then, underline the word then, finally, then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah up onto dry land. Now, underline the word vomited. No reason. (laughs) I, I just think that would be a cool thing to see, don't you? I mean, it's not like the fish opened his mouth and Jonah walks out like he's on an escalator. He's vomited out. I hope when we get to heaven, they got like a DVD of it or something. You know, that, that'd be just a cool thing to see. But, but here's what we find, and this is the part that, that we miss. It appears that when Jonah spit out of the fish, he spit out at the same place that he started. Sometimes we tell, tell the story that, you know, well, you spit out there at Nineveh. And, uh, but that's not really how the story goes. It apparently was spit out at the same place that he began running from God. How do we know that? Well, notice chapter three. I'm gonna read just the first three verses. Now that Jonah's turned back to God, it says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. It's the God of the second chance saying, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim, proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. So, underline, Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word 
of the Lord. To which we look on and say, duh. But wouldn't you agree we've all done the same thing? Here's what happens. God says, I want you to do this. We say no. We begin to run from God Ultimately, we find ourselves swallowed in circumstances that are beyond our control. There's nothing that we can do. We finally turn to God, and he spits us out at just the place that we started running so that we can finally go do what God was telling us to do in the first place. Isn't that interesting how it works? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up today as we close. In this church, there are only two types of people. There are runners, and there are ex-runners. But all of us have experienced, whether we're a runner or we're an ex-runner, we've all experienced God giving us a second chance. Today is one more time God giving a second chance. For some of us, it might be a third chance or fourth or fifth or 10,000th. But God is giving another chance today. And because of that, as we close, here's what I'm asking you to do. I want every person to go ahead and take out your connection card. Last week, I had us write something on the back. And this week, in, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to write one of three things. Don't write it yet. We'll write in just a second. If you're here today, maybe you were here last week, and last week there were six people who wrote, I'm not there yet, when we talked about running. And uh, maybe you were here last week, and uh, this week you're back, and your life hasn't gotten better this week. Maybe this week you would say, you know, I'm ready, and uh, I realize where this is going and I realize what I'm running from, and I realize who I need to run to. And so if that's you today, and you were, you were to say, I'm running from God, either you're a believer and you're running from what it is you know that he wants you to do, or you haven't been a believer, and now you're running to him. Today, you just simply invite Jesus Christ to come into your life. And he says that if you do that, he'll come into your life and everything will change. And here's the thing. If that's you today and you've decided to quit running from God, on the back of your card, I'm going to ask you to write, I'm through running. Now, if you're here today and uh, you would say, everything is great in my life, my walk with Jesus is great, you know, there's nothing in between us, then here's what I'm going to ask you to write. I'm just going to ask you to simply write, thank you, Jesus, for second chances. Thank you, Jesus, for second chances. Now, if you're here today and you were to say, I'm still running, I'm just not there yet, I'm not ready, then I'm going to ask you to write, I'm not there yet, or just simply not there yet. Now, why do I want you to do that? You're running from God, and the best thing that I can do for you is just offer to pray for you this week and pray that God does something in your life that brings you back to him.